on the Mount of Olives and you can probably see the old city behind me. I wanted to send a video just to say hi and check in, but uh, we finished three weeks of Old Testament studies and it's been great. Starting on Tuesday, we're gonna uh, do two weeks of New Testament studies and the, the studies have been pretty intense, but they've been great and we've had a great time as a family as well. Hey, I know the Supreme Court decision has stirred a lot of emotion in many of you and, and the question we need to ask ourselves is, is how are we to respond? And the truth is we need to respond in truth and we need to respond in love. Uh, make no mistake, we are going to hold fast to the teachings of Scripture. We know that, that the Bible is the inspired Word of God and, and we're not going to compromise on, on what truth is. And at the same time, we're going to be challenged to love well, to love uh, others the way Christ has loved us. One of the things that's so striking to me as I uh, read through the Gospels is how Jesus was was had this uncanny ability to be uncompromising when it came to truth and incomparable in the way that he loved us. And uh, we are a mosaic striving to live like Jesus. And if we're going to live like Jesus, then we need to learn to love like Jesus. So as we reflect on how much God has loved us, as we reflect on the grace that God has extended to us, then we need to be a church that loves that way, that extends grace that same way. Uh, so even as we move into this new season, my challenge for, for you, my challenge for myself is to hold, hold fast to the truth and to be uncompromising in, in that, but to also love people in just an, an unexpected and incomparable way. I want to just encourage you, God is not surprised by the Supreme Court decision. Uh, we are not going to be swayed by laws. We're not going to be swayed uh, by society. We're going to hold fast to the truth, but we are going to love people well. God is going to continue to build his church. I miss you. Look forward to being back uh, in a few weeks. God bless. If you would like more information, the website has a statement uh, regarding marriage, and you can look at it there. My apologies for not knowing that I should have worn shades this morning. I'll, uh, I'll try to be cooler in the future if I can. One of the things I like to do when I'm at a place like Grace, who have been a partner with myself and with Global Leadership for a long time, is just to give a very brief update when you sit in construction, and you do in Detroit, there's, there's often a well-intentioned sign that says your tax dollars at work, uh, or sort of at work, depending on how you view it. And so this, this is just very simply some of your mission money at work. In 2015-2016, uh, Global Leadership Organization I run that does intentional mentoring and leadership development in various places on the planet. I'll just give you a quick update. January and February, I spent six weeks in, um, in Western Australia. It's just timing, uh, odd timing, that I get to go there and escape winter. Um, but the series of outreaches and the training and development that we had done for younger leaders was just used, in their words, beyond what they had anticipated. And then there were a number of surprises, like being invited to speak at Parliament. And uh, any of you that are yacht people in the 80s, uh, mid-80s, um, Western Australia, the Royal Perth Yacht Club actually won America's Cup. And 
somebody heard me and said, we want you to do an outreach at the Royal Yacht Club. And so we had uh, 60 couples, only three of which had been in a church in the last decade. And uh, God just used unique opportunities to do that. We're doing another round of things in Western Canada, um, the training and development of uh, Holy Spirit conferences for pastors and leaders to get them in touch with, with what the Spirit of God is doing. Next year, we'll do another round of things in Western Australia. Again, one of the reasons we do Western Australia is less than 1% of men in Western Australia will attend church of any sort, which makes it one of the great mission fields of the world that every, sort of no one knows about. One of the other really fun projects for next year is we're partnering with a group that I've actually mentored the leadership and we are uh, looking to develop English-speaking international churches in the major cities of the world. And um, they're emerging quickly. Um, I won't, I'm not allowed to talk about it very much, but it was just in Kuwait City not long ago. And you would be surprised there are more than 20,000 people meeting under the umbrella of one church underneath the radar of the government. It's quite interesting. And so we're looking at how to reproduce those in places where churches are not even allowed to meet. So we'll give you some more reports later, but next year in April, we've got an international planning congress and, um, in Hong Kong to figure out how do we train, recruit, and develop leaders for this. Just one final thing that's kind of fun for me. Uh, in just about a month, there is a sponsored, under the big umbrella of the Lausanne Conference on Evangelism, there is a uh, hand-picked 400 young evangelists from across Africa coming together. And um, I was uh, asked if we could provide resources for them with my book on the power of mentoring. And one of them sent this uh, great note that said, when we train evangelists, church planters, and leaders in our regions of Africa, we have the Bible in one hand and the power of mentoring in the other. They said it gives us the model to do discipleship Jesus style. So the great thing is we've got people on various corners of the planet reproducing Jesus' model of leadership and discipleship and mentoring. So thank you for partnering with us long-term. And uh, that's your mission dollars at work. <laughs> when we talk about uh, the exchange and conversations that change things, one of the ones that pops up on a screen that none of us like is the one on perseverance. It's kind of a word we wished we didn't have to deal with. Niceness just seems so much kinder. And we like the word easy far more than persevere. So this morning I want to talk to you about how do you survive the desert? In the last year, I've created three sermon series. The first one was last summer. We did a surviving the dog days of the soul. A little surprised how well it went. People um, actually, I said, you can get these online, but people were actually waiting to leave on holidays or coming back early. Because I just I want to get in on these. So we figured if that one worked, let's try winter. And we did 
we did surviving the winter doldrums of the soul, uh, which I think just more depressed people than anything else, but they did find some hope. And then going to Australia, somehow uh, winter doldrums didn't suit them, nor did dog days of the soul. That seems to be a European-American thing. So created one called surviving the deserts of the soul. Anyhow, you get the picture. Whether it's those hot, humid days in the summer where you think, thank God for air conditioning, when it's not, you're going, why do I live here? Or the winter doldrums which clearly set in, just be grateful this year you weren't in Boston. Or if you happen to be someplace where it either is or feels like desert. Authentic faith, if you're going to survive the desert, authentic faith always involves perseverance and disappointments. To tell you otherwise is not to be honest. Some of you are seasoned veterans of this thing we called life. And you go, I get this better than I wished I got it. And some of you are going, does it ever let up? And the seasoned veterans will talk to you about that later. Yes and no. Last summer was interesting both for me and for a number of the people that I was in partnership with who were grappling with how do you keep going well with unfulfilled promises, disappointments. And the term that floats around is called the dark night of the soul. Now, sometimes it gets thrown around very quickly. Dark night of the soul is not when you go through difficult moments. It's extended seasons when it feels like you can't break through. And some of you go, I think I have one every other week. No, that's just some frustration, disappointment, otherwise known as life. It's the extended seasons that get challenging and difficult. One of my really close friends um, needed to talk, and I was convinced I wasn't the right person. I was happy to, but convinced he needed somebody else. So I recruited somebody and said, how about if you two guys go to lunch? I'll kind of join you at the end. And I just said to my partner, my, my buddy here needs, he's got to get this thing out. There's, there's something brewing in him. It's an anger-based thing, but it's not just, he's not an angry guy, but this thing's got to come out. And so they sat over lunch, and in the midst of this, began to push him just a little of, what's going on in there? You're, you're frustrated, it's popping up other places, it's not congruent with the rest of your life. What's going on in there? He said, you, you seem to be, the phrase used, you seem to be angry with God. And he goes, no, no, I'm not, no, I'm not. Pushed him just a little. And I was just beginning to walk in, my timing was a little off. And I watched him hit the table hard enough for glasses to fly. And he said, God lies. Well, Okay, you're a seasoned theologian with a doctorate. I think you know that's not true. But boy, deep in his soul, he was wrestling hard with this one. So he sat there and said, let's begin with the truth you know. That statement is not accurate. You know that. But let's get what's, what's behind it. So how do we survive? Well, you've got to go after this. It's really to come to an understanding that it's the core beliefs of your heart and soul that get you through the deserts. Working on this message 
for you all here. I've spawned another whole series, I think. One of the, one of the talks that we have to begin to give is um, how do you tend to the heart? series is beginning to emerge that boy, it's got to remain a softness to the heart. Because if not, this whole starts with resentment, disappointment, and goes to bitterness, and this thing takes hold and just gets a root in your life. Of course, we've got to talk about how do you expand your heart. There's a whole series emerging that will come someplace else, probably to some other people. Let's begin to form this into our direction for the morning. We've got to ask the question, where is God when it hurts? It's probably close to 20 years ago now. Phil Yancey wrote a book called Disappointment with God. And no one was uh, in the publishing world was disappointed by that book. It was surprising how many people wanted to read it. Disappointment with God seemed to just trigger thoughts. I was shocked with uh, the number of people who I thought were seasoned veterans of faith and life, and I looked at them admirably and thought they'd done really well. And they said, Martin, it's kind of the story of my life. But really, you? And they're going, you got to work through these tough moments. They scolded me pretty well on this one. And then, of course, in the last few years, I've had my own education. Ten months ago, this last week, that um, Diana, my wife of more than 40 years, passed. A dreadful round with uh, a rare neurological disorder. We took us forever to get it diagnosed, forever, over four years. We'd been to best hospitals we could find. We are prayer people. The two of us together have seen God do miraculous things. I don't want to say we assumed healing, but just we were pretty good candidates, we thought. Um, but we had to come to grips with if the miracle of God and his divine intervention does not come either in a way we anticipate it or at a time we anticipate it. We've got to face what's coming. And... Um, thought, what do you do with soul-robbing disappointment? If you've not been there yet, just thank God. Soul-robbing disappointment is one that you just sort of grapple with. Where do you focus? What's it look like? One of my really good, older, trusted friends is Leighton Ford. If you don't know his name, he's Billy Graham's brother-in-law. was supposed to be Billy's successor. Billy refused to quit. And so he, uh, well into his 50s, launched something else, and he began by handpicking 18 of us from 14 countries and said, I'm going to invest in you the rest of my life. And uh, when Leighton calls, it's always fun. It's sort of like a nosy neighbor, but it's always go straight to the soul. You never think he's asking questions he shouldn't. And he called on a particularly bad day in this last year. And he said, uh, Martin, where's God in all of this? Now, if it was anybody else, I would go, that's a stupid question to a guy like me. I said, Leighton, when you ask it, it feels like a friend of the soul, and you just want to talk. I said, I'll give you kind of where I am today. God feels incredibly close. 
but amazingly silent. He said, say it again. And I said, are you old enough you don't hear well? He goes, no, I've not quite heard it that way before. So he feels incredibly close. Reach out and touch him. Amazingly silent. He goes, how do you get through that? I said, I go for the closeness. You work with what you have. So let's begin to frame from Scripture some really key points of how do you survive the desert well? First one is to understand that God redeems suffering. Now, I wish he didn't talk about it at all. I wish he'd go, you come to me, none of this suffering's ever going to hit you. It doesn't work that way. There's probably a lot of reasons why. It's very rare in Scripture where Paul, who sounds a bit like a lawyer in Romans, sounds almost identical to James, and yet they do right here. They both sort of say the same thing. You will go through tough moments. They call them slightly different things, trials, difficulties. Paul says in Romans, but when you get through them, it will build perseverance and, pr- and perseverance character and character hope and hope does not disappoint. James, on the other hand, has this quotation that people of faith love to use on each other. And it goes like this. Count it all joy, my brethren and sisters, when you encounter various trials. The emphasis is always on you. I'm a whiner when it happens to me, but I'm incredibly encouraging when it happens to you. (laughs) So count it all joy when you encounter various trials, because he goes, this testing of your faith produces great outcomes. Going, good word, James. One of the things we've got to come to grips with, there's been this subtle shift towards the end of the 20th century and into the 21st, that we have really begun to assign to God almost blame that really belongs to the enemy of our soul. And we actually say things like, you know, God's brought this tough thing into my life. You go, no, no, don't, don't, don't make this about him. What you do with it connects with your faith, but don't assign that he gave this one to you. We just randomly Forgive me if this is a bit of a threat for some of you, but we randomly say, God doesn't cause suffering in our lives, but he allows it. That's the byline. You're going to think through the implications of that before you start repeating that or owning it. The scriptures really give us, it does come to you. The partnership with God is how he redeems it in your life. And so as he begins to redeem this in your life, most of the time we have to reframe our perspective on truth and reality and begin to address it. How we do it's the challenge. Remember a long time ago, probably before I had enough uh, life or wisdom to know what I was talking about, I remember in Hebrews 12 reading this, where those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he chastises all those that he receives as a daughter or a son of his. 
And the discipline of the Lord comes for a couple of reasons. And one of the great phrases is, so that we might share in his holiness. We're going, God, that's sort of an odd slant on this, that we share in your holiness. I want to hit the back side of this first and then go to the front. If we start with the beginning of the law in Leviticus 19, it says, Tell the people to be holy, for I, the Lord their God, am holy. This is one of the dreams, developmental dreams God has in your life. That you will so reflect his character, glory, personhood, that when people have been with you, they know that you've been with him. I'm convinced it's one of his greatest evangelistic tools on this planet for people like you who've gone through challenging moments in life. And when outsiders go, how do you get through it? You don't have quick, fast, smiley answers. It's his soul stuff. You go, let me tell you about my father. And all you do is give the story of your own authentic faith. And I've watched people melt and go, nobody I know gets this, but you do. Because you've lived it. But what I've noticed is that well-intentioned people like us, the family, the family's a little nosy sometimes. So when we're going through hard times, we ask diagnostic questions. What's God saying to you? Not much. How are you feeling? Bad. Can you be more specific? Real bad. We want, we want each other to be insightful when we're going through pain. No one is insightful going through pain. It just hurts. So come alongside us. Be with us. Walk through it with us. And mostly keep silent. Because of the, all the stuff we had to go through with brain donation and stuff after Diana passed, and people were coming in from varieties of places, and just the whole nature thing we decided to do a couple weeks later, a memorial service, but just for people locally who wanted to be around. A few days later, we just set up a, sort of an open gathering thing at a local church um, and just said put out an announcement come if you want and family will greet you and we actually posted people at the door and one of them was 66280 he was the enforcer and he said the family requests hugs not talk and it was funny as people came through they said thank you I never know what to say and I said and yet you're saying something And there were a few who just couldn't resist, and they would start to talk, and I would just go, um, we said no talking, please. Come on. Hug and release. Hug me, and then go. Come on. There you go. Discerning the Lord's discipline in the midst of human pain is really tough. So we need people around us to be with us. It's the power of community where you really get a sense of this is how we live out authentic faith together. Second part of this is we frame it from Scripture. 
is to keep doing the right things and eventually you will get the right results. I don't want to overpromise that one, but I almost can. When you're going through times that don't make sense, don't give up on what you know is valid. Stick with it. So it's the, the simple things of you spend time with God. Even in the darkest night, the lights begin to come on. Light begins to come. Moments of revelation start where you were just reading scripture and nothing was coming to light. All of a sudden, things start to click slowly. There's a fresh touch. Let me give you my best wisdom. Some of you will need to write this down. There are two times in your life when you need to spend time thanking and praising God. Are you ready? Number one is when you feel like it. Number two is when you don't. My best insight of the day. Because in the midst of that, you subtly begin to have breakthroughs. Notice the word, subtly. When you've survived the desert, you've got to address the reality and honesty of what's there, though. I had a tough challenge last summer. Um, just in the next three weeks, I will have 100 doctoral students come in from 40 countries and culture groups to New York for a 12-day time frame. It's just it's a gift from God, what we get to do. Um, people are coming in from all sorts of places. We're taking them to both higher levels and deeper issues of their soul, developing them as leaders to reproduce this in various corners of the world. It's a fun gig. I didn't know this last year, but I had these 100 doctoral students there with me three and a half weeks before Diana passed. I didn't know that at the time. And we were talking about the kingdom of heaven and all the great authority and power and miraculous healings of the kingdom of heaven. And I had going on at home what was going on for me. Always wanted to be a man of integrity. And you got to know people are wondering in their head, he talks big. What's going on? So I simply said, I don't know, I don't know if we're going to get the intervention from God at the time or the way that we hoped. But if it doesn't happen for us, that does not mean the truths of God are not real and still true. So if it doesn't happen for us, I want to promise you something. When it's you or one of your family members who needs it, I am going to be there with you, contending with everything I've got. Because it's still all real and still all true. Now, let me give you just a splinter of wisdom, if I've gained any. God knows things that you don't know. Here's Theology 101. God is smart. He knows things you don't know. So if God knows things you don't know, then he also knows things you don't need to know. 
And he also knows things you may never know. And his question is, yet will you trust me? Will you still trust me? Now, for some of us, that one's a pretty easy statement. Just says absolutely. And some of you are going, why? I'm disappointed. You've worked. You work through this one. You work through this one. My phrase over the last number of years, and it's not just a slogan, it's become life for me. I have some really good therapist friends who are both gracious and incredibly annoying. Apparently, they send you to school to learn how to tilt your head and look pained and say with very breathy voice, how are you? Which I always find slightly annoyed right now. I've got some really good friends who are quality therapists, and they go, Martin, how are you doing? I go, here's my, here's, this is my life. Feels like every day the joy of God carries us. It's true. It's not the right phrase because it's a slogan. It's true. The joy of God carries us. And every day I laugh. And most every day I cry. And they look minorly perplexed. And they go, the human experience, that's about as good as it gets. And I said, so I pass? You pass. I said, good, it's a lot cheaper than paying you to come see you. There you go. It's a very human experience, folks. Just allow me a personal word. I want to just read for you from early last fall, uh, a journal entry. Let me just read it, shall I? Remind yourself in the midst of life's greatest pain that you will get to the other side someday. Time frame depends both on God and upon you. This divine partnership that you establish with him. For me, after 42 years, there's a lot to process. Especially because it didn't appear to be one year repeated 40 times. It was a varied, multi, multi-level blending of two lives, involved various careers, extensive education, moves, living outside of the U.S., traveling to every continent more than once, four children, multiple challenges, counseling, lots of love, and endless memorable experiences. It's a lot to miss. It's a lot to process, to remember, a lot to celebrate, a lot to grieve, a lot to put into perspective, a lot to miss. So our final installment in surviving the desert is we have to keep perspective. Perspective intrigues me so much. Fascinated by how many people I love lose perspective so quickly. 
And so, as those who love them, we're there to remind them. Just remind them, not convince them. So we thank God for the good. We deeply grieve the bad. We hold tight to eternal perspective. And I will say it again, there's two times to praise and thank God. When you don't feel like it and when you do, both. And some things just won't make sense this side of eternity. But I'm working on that one. I actually announced to one of my friends of a larger church, I go, if you you ever have a weak Sunday, you need to pull somebody in. I think I've got insights on eternity I've never had in my life. If your people want insights on eternity, call me. I think I've got some stuff emerging. Let's wrap this up, folks. We're done. Realize that perspective does not change your circumstances. It doesn't. But it lightens your burden, strengthens you to get through it. And one of the best ways to do this is with really good, trusted friends. So I've got two, two insightful applications for you. I'm selling you on the fact they're insightful. The first one is listening prayer. When you can hear from your father, even if it's a sense, even if it's not an amazing, everything will be fine. Just a sense that you know he's there, he's with you. It gives you strength and courage and hope and substance to get through a lot more than if you feel like you're doing this alone. And the second one is simply good friends. I have some great friends. I was just telling Bryce and Melissa Gray, I said, uh, my best friend, and I mentioned the couple. I said, my best friend is Chuck and Ingrid. And I said, uh, Chuck really wants to care. He's just not very good at it. And I love Ingrid to death, but, to death, but boy, does she talk way too much. So I said, combined, they're my best friend. <laughs> I've told them that, and they're very grateful for it. They just show up. They just show up. Sometimes they bring food. Sometimes they just come. said, we're going to come and sit with you. Can we take you out? Can we do something together? You just want to be home alone. What do you want? They're good friends. It was just a few months ago. I uh, thought, I know a bunch of guys. Don't know a lot of them well. They're all professional guys. I thought I'm going to invite them in one night. Just going to gather a bunch of guys and just sit and see what happens. I've had 13 come. And for the group who showed up, there was only one without a doctorate in the group. He was a marketing executive uh, with uh, pharmaceuticals. And as the night went on, the conversations were pretty good. And I gave him a timeline of when we were going to stop. So it was about 15 to 20 minutes to go. And I said, hey, just before we wrap up tonight, does anybody want to make sure that if there's something they need to say, they feel heard? Or if you want to be prayed for, we listen to you. So if not, let's just wrap up and get out of here. There was a Chinese guy there. Didn't know anybody else but me in the whole room. Now, I don't know if you know this culturally about the Chinese. They're relatively private people. They call it saving face. And he spoke up first, and he said, two weeks ago, my wife told me she didn't love me anymore. And I don't know what to do. I've got four kids. Now, 
if women, if you don't know this, guys get really nervous right now. I, because the phrase runs in your head is, I, I don't know what to say. And so most of us are smart enough, we don't say anything instead of saying something foolish. I was so impressed. Nobody tried to fix him. One of the guys said, yeah, it wasn't that long ago my wife and I went through it. We found a good therapist. He happens to be Chinese. This guy's eyes lit up. Next guy spoke, the researcher. And he said, I, um, I'm in charge of research at, at uh, my place of employment. He said, I don't like the job. I'd rather do the research myself instead of supervising other people's research. He said, I was sent um, just not long ago uh, an intern, um, grad school intern, who's a really good researcher. But she lives a long way from home, and she's kind of lonely. I encouraged her to make friends, and she is with me. He said, I'm married and got two little boys. I'm very happily married. But this thing's not working, and I don't want to ruin her career. I don't want to blow the whistle. I don't want to whatever. And he goes, I'm not in trouble. But boy, it's nice to have a place to talk. Uh, this is not a, women, just so you know, this is not normal guy night conversation. <laughs> but what I noticed and I didn't know when I made the invitations. There were a lot of people on the edge of the desert. And something about a friend was going to carry them a really long way if we did it right. And we did. I was quite shocked as we wrapped up quickly that night how many cards were exchanged. Guys who'd never met each other were hugging each other for an uncomfortably long time. I'm going to, is it that kind of crowd? What is this? No, they found a friend for the soul because they were on the edge of the desert. The next time you get there, may you hear the voice of the Father. Keep listening. It's often a whisper. Capture the whispers. And secondly, it's hard to beat a trusted friend. And they come from some of the oddest places. Ask and keep looking. You did it when you were young on the playground. I don't care if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s, or 70s. It's still appropriate to go up to someone and say, will you be my friend? You can do that. <laughs> you can do that. Here's what I want to do as we wrap up. Kind of like to leave this a quiet place if we can. Some of you want to think. Some of you going, after the fireworks last night, I kind of need a quiet place to listen. Um, how about if we keep this quiet, have your conversations out there? I'm sure there's a couple of prayer people around, even with this weekend. If you need somebody to pray with you, they'll be in a corner someplace. I'm going to give you a final statement. Even in the midst of the desert, in the midst of some of the most soul robbing disappointments of your life. It's not the right thing to say to you. It's not why I'm doing it. I can tell you there is great hope. We have an amazing God.
May I pray over us, please? God, I think this is one of those conversations that matters. We're very grateful not all of us are in the desert today. And for those who aren't, boy, let them just thank you, do a little happy dance, and pass on some of the joy. But to those who are entering the desert or coming out or find themselves just in the midst of it where it feels soul-robbing, just whisper, please. There is more hope than you know. And let that one sink in. There is more hope than you know. It seems to be what you say. Say it so we can hear it, please. I want to bless this church to become, even as good as they are, to become better friends, listening friends, praying friends who pray short, meaningful prayers instead of long, religious ones. Those sometimes rob our faith. So make us brief but meaningful in prayer. And good at appropriate touch and hug instead of feeling smothered. Help us to do this one well. Lord, we love that you speak. Speak in ways we can hear it. Let us love the way you love us. Please. Today, may everyone get what they need to go to that next step and feel hope to reach the other side of the desert when it comes to them. So today, will you release each of us with your blessing in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. May there be that sense of hope that comes only in you. Amen. As you leave, please just go quietly.